Welcome everyone to BHS Live. Today is Friday, September the 9th. It's the first week of the NFL. So much excitement and traders on Wall Street are going crazy. We saw the Dow up over 300 points today. Despite what Federal Reserve officials are saying with their hawkish tones, we still saw the, the Bulls rally. And that's fantastic because it snaps that three-week losing streak. Hi everyone, I'm Todd Schoenberger and, and I'm joined by my co-host and friend Tobin Smith out in sunny and hot Scottsdale, Arizona. And Toby, we <laughs> We can only wonder, this rally going to stick? Are we going to see further updates in the weeks to come? Well, here's how I've talked to our subscribers and managed to count people, which is that in a real bear market, which is what we're in, a real bear market, not a, a sort of bear market. If you go back to, at least in my money management experience, back to 2000, 2003, and 2008, 2010, almost by definition, particularly when we're still not trading, you know, the uh, average volume of shares, that the hedge funds, you know, Know, the three or four trillion dollars of hedge fund money that gets multiplied by borrowing. Sometimes they go off sides, meaning that they were so negative going into last, into this week, and they were so short, basically, you know, QQQ stocks. Well, if something happens like today, where actually the dollar actually came down, OMG, which is positive. You mm -hmm. know, bonds rates came down a little bit. That's positive. Then the algos, you know, the algorithmic trading machines go boom, 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 boom. Okay, cover those shorts, and that's why you see these spikes. Okay. Normal buying and selling does not go bing, bing, bing like a like a ping pong <laughs> ball, right? But when when it's Friday and uh, it's a non-expiration date for for uh, uh, options, etc., then you know you should expect. But my advice, and you know the way we run money is, is that any bear market, like we were long the uh, TQQ, which is the two X leveraged uh, QQQ options today, because just technically it, that's the way it's set up. But that was a trade, and and to my perspective. The bear market is a bear market until it proves itself otherwise. And we go back okay. to our that number on the S&P yeah. 500, 42.31. We've held some technical points, sort of 3,900 has been, has been a, a key point because it's sort of 3,900 in the S&P and then it goes down to 3,600. So if you don't, if you break it and then you come back over, then the, the automatic buyers buy. That's short-term noise. Long-term, okay. long-term that the ECB raised yeah. 75 basis points to, I mean, I don't think they've ever done it. I, I literally, I don't think they've ever raised that much. Yeah. You know, energy, yeah, energy prices came down a bit. Right. But then stopped right at the oil stopped right at $81, yada, yada, yada. You know, Zscaler, which is our favorite. But, uh, but overall, uh, though, overall, yeah. you have to, you have to admit that some of the, the data points that we are seeing, some of the clues that we're seeing, especially leading up to next week's inflation report, it mm -hmm. is giving us, or at least the, the traders on Wall Street, uh, some optimism that, hey, you know what? We actually might have a negative print on the on the inflation number that comes out maybe what one tenth of one percent we haven't seen a negative what? we haven't seen seen it drop seen it drop in since march of 2020 now think about this for a second so if that's the case and you also have a fed who's data dependent you know the fed was speaking all day today and yesterday because this is the last week before the blackout period starts yeah. because they're meeting on september 20th but traders today are thinking hey you know what okay 75 basis points let's calculate that and now we start thinking maybe it won't be 75 maybe it'll only be 50 because of everything you just said. You're just saying that, hey, gas prices are down. People are feeling a little bit better. Inflation numbers might be subsiding. If that's the case, then why not be optimistic and think that this rally is going to continue? Yeah, I, I mean, again, short-term trading versus long-term investing, they are diametrically opposed to each other. Uh, and okay. at the margin, at the margin, the buyers today, anytime you see a move like this, you know, 2% in the NASDAQ, that is, and you look at the amount of computer trades, the percentage of computer trades just today, was almost yep. 80 percent you're right I mean, all of that shows that this is the yin and yang of a bear market short covering you come up you get to a pot that comes down with you know with more you know bad news remember good news is bad news for the fed i, I still go back to the, the the point that somewhere in the macro education of most wall streeters they forgot this whole part that if we had you know two percent gdp growth but 90 percent of that growth was because of inflation yeah. That, that that's not growth. Then that's not earnings 
for shared growth, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's nominal and then there's actual inflation adjusted. Yep. So to, to get really excited about nominal GDP growth of two and a half percent when the embedded inflation rate is six percent and higher, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's that's just a, a trading, you know, say that, uh, you can set the robots up and a lot of stuff. But mostly now this is very technical trading. And if you if you hold support, what you did at thirty nine hundred, then, you know, that gets a that gets a, a, a bid. But it's a Friday. So you know, let's see. Yeah. And let's see what the real CPI number. By the way, you know, the Fed follows the CPE, okay. consumer price expenditure, not the CPI. So they okay. care more about, much more about CPI. They don't even look at CPI. The, that will, so that will be you're right. You're, that, that's going to be the key number, though. The Fed will look at that. The headline number is our CPI. That's where all the talking heads are on TV. We used to do it, Toby, on the cable channels, and we would talk yeah. all about it. And it's great for ratings. It, at the end of the day, though, it's really how much money are you taking out of your out of your uh, your wallet to spend for those goods and services? You know, this week we had Fed Chairman Powell talking uh, just about that. How he said people are going to be conditioned to higher inflation and therefore will make spending uh, purchases and those decisions based off of higher prices. And it's his job to make sure that that doesn't happen. He yeah. doesn't want Americans to be conditioned to think well, that this is the normal or new normal, uh, yeah. if you will. Well, interestingly, uh, yesterday and today they showed that the inflation expectation index has come down a bit. And okay. you know, it's almost come down one-to-one -one with gasoline prices. So th that's not too shocking. It's it, Again, the, the issue on quote-unquote inflation is that when the Fed raises like highest mortgage rate today that we've had in uh, since 2008, uh, obviously that's cooling housing demand. Obviously that's cooling new home sales and, and existing home sales. Uh, and prices are coming down. Well, they, they, it's about a six-month lag. So you're not going to see that in the numbers here for a, a, a bit. Uh, and now, you know, we're in the second week of uh, September, getting into the third week. That means we're getting close to third quarter earnings in October. And that's where the rubber is starting to meet the road. Right now, this is this is sort of like like uh, two wolves, like going around each other in the pit to see who's got the, you know, the best uh, position to take the other guy down. Right. Uh, it's sort of a zero-sum game right now. We're up 100 points, down 100 points. I will tell you that, the, the, again, our we created a, a, another portfolio we call the Dexit. Not just the Brexit. Brexit is the West getting out of Russian commodities, but the Dexit is the decarbonization of these Western countries. Because Dexit. Look at you. Look at you yeah. with all the fancy names. I'm telling you. I'm telling I'm you. Doing, I'm doing FedEx. FedExit. How about FedExit? Let's do that one. Yeah, I know. I love that. <laughs> I, you, better, you better trademark before I steal that one. Um, <laughs> we had uranium stocks up 25% this week. We had fertilizer stocks, which people would probably say is somewhat ironic that I'm, you know, I'm pitching fertilizer stocks. Yes, so, yeah. So full of fertilizer. <laughs> so I just beat, just beat you to that one. The fertilizer stocks we own sell at a 2.5 price earnings ratio going backward. Their gross margins have gone up 50% in the last three months, shockingly. And so, so they're probably selling at a, a, a negative PE, maybe a one price earnings. How can you? And then, you know, some I want to talk about it when we recommend the stocks. You know, one of them is paying like 25% interest, excuse me, what I'm saying, dividend in, in going up in value. Yeah, incredible. Well, you've been, you've been, I mean, I'll be, I'm going to give you the technical analyst uh, response to all of this. You're kicking ass. Okay. So, <laughs> so it's obvious and it's been that way. I mean, your, yeah. your clients must be loving you for, for all of this. You're absolutely right. They, they, now going forward though, what are you going to tell your clients now? Now, before you answer that, before you answer that, mm -hmm. we just got word actually today that U.S. online sales this year are expected just to rise to 9.4% to 1 trillion. This is the first time growth has slipped into single digits. This is according to insider intelligence that tracks this stuff as far as consumer shopping. And, and they're thinking Amazon will hit only 400 billion, which is up 9%, but it's slower than the overall industry. This doesn't look good because when you see numbers like that, and that's giving us some clues, you're seeing, you're seeing growth, but you're just not seeing that exponential growth. And that's because the consumer is pulling back. And yeah. now you're going into the, not only we just finished back to school and now you have you have uh, Halloween's coming up which isn't doesn't really move the needle much however I did I was shocked to see 
how much candy is costing these days, but that's a whole other story. And now you have back to school shopping coming up. The Christmas shopping, I mean, I'm all, I'm all, all confused here, Toby, because it's, it's, it's Raven's weekend. That's all I'm worried about. I know. The bottom I, you you <laughs> but can the, barely the, contain yourself. I know, but seriously, though, when you're looking at all these clues and you start seeing that type of slow growth, are you still sticking to that same model? You're looking at the fertilizer, the uranium, or are you positioning differently yeah, going no, into the no. final quarter? Remember, first off, Amazon sales are after inflation down. So just because wow. you got a higher revenue number, yeah. if your cost is also higher, then it's a it's nets itself out. You may have a higher top line, but they're not their bottom line's not good. And the only if you took the inflation rate out of their sales being up, their sales would actually be down just on an mm -hmm. inflation adjusted basis. Then you look at the EPS, dude. Amazon makes a stupid amount of money every day. I think it's something like seventy-five to hundred million dollars a day from their cloud oh, yeah. business, right? So that that's not going anywhere. What makes uranium stocks jump twenty-five percent has nothing to do with inflation. Mm -hmm. What makes uranium stocks go up? North American-based uranium, I should say, is that on December second, uh, Europe uh, will be completely shut off from Russian oil from Russian uranium. Remember, they're the largest uranium provider in the world. United States the same way. So now that we've had a born again, you know, resurgence of, oh, gee, maybe we shouldn't close 185 of nuclear power plants around the world. How are you going to get the UC3, the enriched uranium? Man, you're going to have to get it out of the States, out of North America, Canada and the United States. That's where it's coming from. Well, when you take the sales jump and they sell at very high profit margin, but now you can looking at some of these companies doubling their sales and they're mm -hmm. selling in a 3PE. What's happening is, you know, I, I use the fun term of the Brexit and this, excuse me, uh, decarbonization Dexit. But what's happening, Todd, is they're just simply getting re-rated. They're like the redheaded stepchild of the stock market. The stocks hadn't moved for 10 years, uh, certainly after Fukushima. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden, people are saying, oh, God, what, you know, Jesus, even Diablo Canyon in, in California, for God's sakes, is not going to close for another two and a half, three years. Mm -hmm. So they're getting re-rated. And, okay. and you're going to see some, certainly some M&A in here. I'm going to talk about a stock when we go over the stocks. They're selling for like two times its earnings, but its earnings are up 50% this year and going to be up 50% next year, year over year. Beautiful, beautiful. That's Love like that. a zero PE. I don't know. Is there a negative yeah. PE? I, I don't know how that works. Th those are secular trends. That's what I'm trying to say. They're not tied to the business cycle. They're tied to the get me the hell out of Russia commodities, secular trend, transformation. And then secondarily, uh, let me decarbonize as much as I can, because that gives me the ability to, again, tell Russia to go screw themselves. I don't need their hydrocarbons because I've decarbonized for instance, green energy, you know, the concept that oh, yeah. instead of making hydrogen with natural gas, you make it with just regular electrical power through an electrolyzer and the electrolyzer is powered by either a solar or by wind power. Well, in this new inflation, inflation, inflation containment uh, reduction act, blah, blah, blah. I can't even say it with a straight face. It has nothing to do with inflation. You get $3 a kilogram in a tax credit to produce green hydrogen. Well, guess what? When you use that $3 tax credit, it's cheaper to make green hydrogen that has no carbon footprint than it is to make hydrogen with a shit ton of, uh, you know, natural gas. Mm -hmm. That completely changes the game. It's the same thing in the UK. It's the same thing in, in Europe. That industry is being price supported to a degree that I don't think people really understand. And so, you know, we own hydrogen maker. We own, uh, you know, plug power that makes the electric. We own Bloom Energy. There's a whole complex there mm -hmm. that have just gotten like tapped on the shoulder and said, dude, we're going to give you $3 a kilogram, which makes your costs lower than making the bad hydrogen. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to do this for the next 10 years. Oh, okay. So that's a secular transformation. And that's what transformity research is all about, my friend. Transformation. I think that's great. I love it. I love it. And that is definitely the business model. And all I know is that you guys are rocking it. So that's all that, that's all that matters to, you know, to the yeah, bottom well, line. Yeah, well, as soon as you for posterity, that means we're going to go in the tank next week. But go ahead. <laughs> There you go. Well, listen, let's let's hold on to that on to that theme because sure. coming up after the break, okay, we're going to talk about a little bit with Queen Elizabeth's passing. Um, we're going to get, really get into some of the issues going on with the energy crisis in Europe. But coming up after the break, though, I do want to talk about Apple because Apple they uh, they just uh, unveiled the new iPhone, yeah. the iPhone 14. 14, can you? I think I have an iPhone one, Toby. iPhone 14 is pretty incredible. No, you, I would not doubt that at all. <laughs> 
And then they also they have the new AirPods and everything else. I think that's great. Let's talk about Apple because I know clients want to know, is now the time? Should you be selling into the strength or um, or obviously picking up some more of your position? But we'll get into that after the break. So please stay with it. Thank you. Okie dokie. Travis Carmichael, the seemingly social financier who successfully left behind a blue-collar Baltimore upbringing by transforming himself into an elite hedge fund manager branded with a sterling reputation for creating enviable profit machines for many of the world's most powerful people. His success proved costly as he became incessantly vulnerable after a series of careless mistakes and poor decisions originated from his love affair with the brilliant and stunningly beautiful Russian opera Naomi Knight. Through a roller coaster journey, of greed, mystery, sex, and murder, Travis and Naomi's metamorphosis, from scorching Wall Street couple to unrecoverable bliss, is forever locked for posterity as one of New York City's most interesting tales. Coming to you from former Wall Street hedge fund executive and frequent contributor on CNBC, Fox News, Bloomberg, and CNN, I, Todd Schoenberger, feature a historical novel inspired by true events, including but not limited to those who possess impenetrable dreams of Manhattan wealth and the consuming lifestyle it perpetuates. Please pick up your copy of No Lie Lives Forever, available on Amazon and finer bookstores near you. On any given day in Washington, policy proposals are created, debated, and decimated by tens of thousands of people and organizations working behind the scenes. On 80 Proof Politics, a guest and I will visit a D.C. watering hole and distill the art of advocacy by pulling back the curtain a bit and taking a look at how they play their part in the sausage factory we call our federal government. So if you're at all interested in how the sausage is made, pull up a chair, grab a drink, and join us. After all, what goes better with sausage than a tall, cold one? Welcome back, everyone, to BHS Live. And today we saw the markets rally. Toby, uh, I got to tell you, as we talked about a little bit in the last block, you can only suspect that we're going to still see some bear market rallies. So they'll be, they'll come and go. I mean, that's for yeah. sure. And it's still a bear market, but we'll still see that rally. But one company that continues to prosper is Apple. Apple came out yesterday and they talked about their new uh, the iPhone 14. They also came out with their new Apple Watches and AirPod, or AirPods. And you're going into the Christmas show shopping season, you're going to have all these people waiting out in line outside of these stores for the new Apple product. People don't wait outside of stores for a Samsung product. They wait out for Apple product. That's it's true. sexy. It's cool. It's new. Everybody wants the newest gadget and they and there's something about the gravitas of walking around with, with the newest version, of course. Um, gravitas? Right, the did gravitas. Up? Is that I, I did. I did. Yes, Ravens fans do own dictionaries as well. So here's, <laughs> so here's the thing. So going forward, be an investor. If you're looking for a new position, are you looking at Apple? Apple was up today, up by actually a little over one percent, I believe. Where uh, you had the Dow up what one point two percent, so I think it actually lagged a little. But would you be an investor of Apple now, or would you be selling it to the strength if you are currently a shareholder? Yeah. Well, it all depends how long you've had Apple. I mean, some Apple shares I've had for you know twenty years. So why on earth would I sell the game on Apple? When it, you know we were going into the launch season is historically from about 90 to 120 days before launch day is when Apple moves up in value. It, it's almost every time has worked that way. And then okay. once they launch, there's a number of jokes I could tell there that I'm just not going to tell. But after they go through the launch, the new launch, unless it's just something breakthrough, uh, the stock remains flat. They're still okay. buying back shares. Uh, and, and so that, you know, there's always a bid simply because, you know, when you have $50 billion that 
you're buying shares back with. Typically, that's just not the time to do it is, you know, you buy an out of the money call option 90 to 120 days before it. And that's typically when they go up. So in and of itself, there's nothing special about it. The thing that's different now, Todd, though, is if you go to any of your major wireless players, I mean, first off, Apple's now changed their business model. Now they're a leasing company. You don't buy the phone. You lease the phone. They lease it to you. They have so much cash that they, they pay themselves. Treasure guy buys the phone. He gives it to the sales guy. Yeah. They give it to you and you pay monthly, right? Hundreds so of billions in cash. Yeah, hundreds, hundreds of billions. Of billions. Right? So what? I mean, they're, that's insane. They're, they're getting like a 14% yield on that, you know, yeah. all of the stuff they do, right? Number one. Then number two, I love getting like, I'll get a thing from T-Mobile because T-Mobile now really does have the best 5G out there. So I'll take that down to the AT&T we've been with for, you know, like 22 years. And they'll look at how much I've paid to the freaking AT&T. And then they say, okay, whatever these guys are giving you, we'll match it and we'll give you a free phone. Yeah, so I've seen from that. that point, I mean, and this is, and, you know, wealthy uh, countries, they have a built-in replacement cycle simply because the that's the that's the offer that everybody has to match. I, I don't want an old phone. I want a new phone and I'm on one of these I, wonderful iPads with the M1 chip and I have this magic keyboard. All right, I'm, I'm satisfied. Unless, of course, you want to give me another one for no yeah. cost. I mean, you know, so yeah. one way or the other, they're going to sell those things, lease those things. You know, they now market their used products, but it's 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 not the next big thing yet. I, I'm I'm swear to God, the next big thing is the Apple Car. That is the one that Apple I think. Apple Car. Really, yeah. I you mean, know, look, I mean, I, I haven't heard of this. What, what is this a real? They've been thing? working on it. They've been working on it for almost eight years. They brought in a new guy two years ago from Magna, which is a company that assembles stuff. They're going to do it the same way they do the, the phones. Kong Kai in China is the one who puts the phones together. Apple has never put together anything. Um, and similarly on a car, since everything's now software driven and design driven, I. I guarantee you by 2015 that there will be an Apple car. They'll sell it through the 25. Apple store. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I said, yeah, 2025. Yeah. Because it's a no-brainer for them. They have, <laughs> they know who you are. They know where you live. Yeah. They know what your income is. They give you an Apple credit card. I mean, they, they have more information on upscale status-seeking. That was a word you were looking for. Status-seeking buyers. Okay. And that could be a world war, worldwide platform. They'll yeah. make a licensing fee out of it. So really, you know, the Cost plus they pay the, the guy to put it together. They make a little profit. They uh, mark it up, but they include everything else in the services. You know, BMW now you have to pay to get a seat warmer in your freaking new car. It's a service. <laughs> it's it's warm ass as a service, right? <laughs> You don't think Apple's not have every service product in there? You know, um, I love so that. Yeah, that will, that will be the next time I'm getting really excited about Apple. Okay, well, that's fantastic. I this is new to me. Uh, I have, I'm not familiar with an Apple Car, but I uh, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm intrigued. It's all else about it, and I can see why. I mean, the thing about Apple, and, and we'll leave it with this. I remember yeah. always it's it's the simplicity of the device. I mean, Steve Jobs, he wore that that turtleneck. Doesn't have any button. You know the there's not there's no button on on the iPhone. You know, if you go um if you go into an elevator into an Apple store, some Apple stores are multiple levels. There's yeah. no button. You walk in into the elevator, it stops at every floor. There's nothing to push. There's nothing to tap. There's none of that. Yeah. It's just sim it's just simply automated just to the human being that they never have to really do anything except hold the device. And that's well, it. Right, but you're missing the network effect. The, the lock-in of being in the ecosystem relative right. to to the you know the Google ecosystem is no is no comparison. So once you're in the system and you have all your data and all your notes and all your important stuff in their cloud, which you do automatically whether you know it or not. Now when you want to refresh your phone or you want to God I lost my got rid of my email list I got rid of the pictures of me from 20, Apple has them. and and so once you're in that system eh, you, you don't get out unless you really wanted a, a you know a foldable phone from Samsung and I can yeah. see the value. <laughs> proposition for that. But they're crushing Honohai and the other ones in China. Uh, they're crushing their sales from the from the homegrown mobile phones that sell for a lot less money. You, you don't have this transparent 
you know, network effect. You get a blue yeah. text uh, instead of a green text. <laughs> you're treated like a redheaded stepchild if you're trying to get into the Apple, uh, uh, you know, ecosystem if you're on Samsung. So right. Chinese sort of like are sort of big on prestige. And uh, so, uh, you know, I, is it going to grow? Uh, it's going to grow more from its financing business, I think, and then the new car business. And really, they're just a giant leasing company of technology. All right, I think that's fantastic. All right, well, let's switch topics here. I, I do want to stick to that technology side. Yeah. But let's also address you know, Queen Elizabeth's passing, truly a, you know, 70 years as the queen. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, unbelievable. I mean, the, the things that she has experienced, she's been a part of, uh, it's just truly remarkable. I was actually shocked to see that Prince Charles, now King Charles, is 73 years old. I had no idea. I knew he was up there. But anyway, but that's regardless. But one thing that they were talking about with Queen Elizabeth is you saw, and you saw the final picture of her speaking to Liz Truss, the new prime minister, how she embraced, Queen Elizabeth embraced technology so much. She yeah. wasn't your typical grandmother looking lady with the cane. I mean, she really backed this. And, you know, the royal family, they created a Twitter account. They really got into the 21st century model of communication. And it's one thing that she used to do quite a bit. She used to have Zoom meetings and things like that. I guess the question is, is that is now when you when you see companies like a Zoom or a DocuSign, you know, companies that they clearly are useful tools that are needed in the way we communicate on a, on a day-to-day basis. Are these companies, that, because now everybody seems to be going back into the office, at least here in the United States, would you stay away from those companies right now? I mean, DocuSign had a decent earnings report. Stock yeah. was up big. But are you are you thinking, that eh, doesn't really matter. We're still going to well, utilize these tools. I mean, the, the issue was when the Fed, remember that old age ago, you know, like eight months ago, when the Fed was putting free money into the system, when their rates were constantly being reduced, mm-hmm. then you could rationalize, particularly for the software as a service companies that provided key, you know, functionality. You could mm-hmm. somewhat rationalize some of the valuations. But then the Momo, Yomo, YOLO, you know, all the kids got in there. And all of a sudden, a Zscaler stock was selling for $435. Now, you know, $75 and change. Now it's sort of appropriately valued. The other thing is DocuSign. People don't understand if, if you're on the Adobe system, they have a signature system too that's just as good as DocuSign. Right. In the in the real estate industry, in the real heavy document world, DocuSign owns it. And, and I use DocuSign. It's easier than, than Adobe stuff. So some of these winners, it's just, it was the same thing like Zoom. Yeah, hell yes. I mean, we're on Zoom. We're doing a podcast with Zoom. It's simple. It's easy. It's cheap. But it was, was it worth 70 times its annual sales? Probably not. Um, mm-hmm. So there are absolute category winners that it makes sense. And, and, and Zscaler is definitely one of them. I think DocuSign is another one. But to think you're going to get another two, 300% return out of those would mean that we were going going back to crazy numbers. And we're not going back to crazy uh, multi- multiples anytime soon. Okay. Okay. That's interesting to see. Well, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, for some of these tech companies, and then you start thinking about other ones that are coming up on new tools that, that we use on a day-to-day basis. I mean, now you just said just a few minutes ago about this Apple car. I mean, you technology still is, I believe, in, is in its infancy stages. I mean, we we heard this from Bill Gates a couple of decades ago. I mean, there's yeah. so many things that still have to evolve the infrastructure, everything else. I mean, these iPhones are great, but if you don't have the bandwidth, you don't have the ability to actually use it. Function the functionality is useless at that point. So yeah, but just uh, we're, we're again, to see. remember we have, we went from 2010 to 2020 to uh, 22, where yeah. the earnings EPS per share didn't mean anything because as long as money was free, you could speculate on the highest growth stuff because we had a 2% grow or less economy. So you could rationalize a company with 30% annualized secular growth over the next five years. You could absolutely rationalize paying a, a much higher multiple on sales or on earnings than for Philip Morris, you know, who loses a new customer of 52,000 people a day because they die. Okay, right. I, understand, I can understand that. But now we're in a complete reverse. Liquidity is being pulled out of the system by trillions of dollars, you know, literally $250 billion a month. Interest rates are going up, which means you have to discount those future earnings at a much higher rate for against risk-free money. So now the world, this is a new regime. It's a completely different regime than 2010 to 2022 
forget about even the pandemic issues, but but now you actually have to remember you own a stock, you own a share of the future earnings of a company. That's what you own. And the only question is, is what will people pay for it? The S&P 500 has historically sold for about 15 times next year's earnings. We were up to 28 nine months ago. I mean, that was insane. Stocks are always driven by the marginal buyer. The marginal buyer is the price insensitive buyer. And the two marginal buyers for a while there were the index funds who were getting cash. So they had to buy X amount of shares every day, regardless of price. And then the YOLO, FOMO, NOMO, uh, you know, Robin Hooders and SoFires and so on and so forth that were buying SPACs that, you know, went from, I, my still my favorite was we owned Nicola and the stock went from $9 to $98 in three days. That was a wow. blast. Please bring those days back. Would you <laughs> I'll but, do what I can. Oh boy. But those I, days yeah. are over. Those days are over. Something else. Well, I tell you, that is crazy. All right. Well, listen, coming up after the break, we're going to be talking about, this is an area that you're an expert on, Toby, is about the European energy crisis. Let's get into that a little bit. We're going to see, is there anything they can do? There have been some new steps from the new Prime Minister, Liz Truss, uh, but is it going to hold? We shall see. So coming up after the break, please stay with us. Travis Carmichael, the seemingly social financier who successfully left behind a blue-collar Baltimore upbringing by transforming himself into an elite hedge fund manager branded with a sterling reputation for creating enviable profit machines for many of the world's most powerful people. His success proved costly as he became incessantly vulnerable after a series of careless mistakes and poor decisions originated from his love affair with the brilliant and stunningly beautiful Russian operative Naomi Knight. Through a roller coaster journey, of greed, mystery, sex, and murder, Travis and Naomi's metamorphosis from scorching Wall Street couple to unrecoverable bliss is forever locked for posterity as one of New York City's most interesting tales. Coming to you from former Wall Street hedge fund executive and frequent contributor on CNBC, Fox News, Bloomberg, and CNN, I, Todd Schoenberger, feature a historical novel inspired by true events, including but not limited to those who possess impenetrable dreams of Manhattan wealth and the consuming lifestyle it perpetuates. Please pick up your copy of No Lie Lives Forever, available on Amazon and finer bookstores near you. Welcome change agents to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change Podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to BHS Live. We saw the Dow rally today, ending a three-week losing streak. Looking good. We have the inflation reading coming out next week, though. Everything could turn on its head next week. We shall see. But right now, one thing that is negative and looks catastrophic is this European energy crisis. Toby, we have an issue where we saw natural gas prices are up tenfold in Europe. Then you have the, the Russians have actually shut off gas supplies with Nord Stream 1. Uh, because they didn't want the Europeans to put the price uh, caps on gas. Where do we go from here? I mean, you have a new prime minister in Europe right now. They're doing everything that they can. Americans are out in Brussels right now. We have representatives there trying to figure out something to do with our NATO allies. But Europeans are going to freeze to death without natural gas. Well, what do you recommend? Let's not get too hysterical here. The number one issue is that, I mean, first off, can you imagine being the new prime minister of the UK? Talk about like when remorse. Congratulations, you're the new <laughs> prime minister now. She begged for that job too. I know. Yeah. Here's a checklist longer than Lou Alcindor. In the in the here and now, 
the only thing they can do really, because remember, we are, the United States is shipping 80% more LNG to Europe year over year than a year ago. So we're shipping them all the LNG. We, we are maxed out on how much LNG we can melt. We have the Freeport McMoran LNG plant that was closed for a little fire. That guy's going to be open again in October. So we're going to be able to, that's 17% of our LNG. But they've filled up, you know, their gas tanks, their storage up to about 70%. They were at 25% a month ago. But the only thing they can do to keep their economies from just being crushed is they're going to borrow money and or if you're like Switzerland, you have more cash than, than God has. And they're going mm-hmm. to send, they're going to essentially say your gas, normal gas bill for your flat in London, let's just say it's 150 uh, pounds a, you know, a month. And based on the gas uh, prices, it's you, you, that bill would be 1,250 pounds. So we're going to temporarily cover that delta, the difference, and we're going to pay it for you because we don't want our economy to go completely, you know, still dead. Now, now, now hold on, hold you on. You can only do it for quick. so long. Yeah, you can only do it right because the number that they're talking about is $500 billion. And you're saying that, yeah, short term, what short term? I'm, I'm sorry, what, spring? I mean, when things start thawing out, that's how long this yeah. is going to continue. And then everybody at the Pentagon is saying that this war is going to continue. This could be another Russia, Afghanistan for the last years. Are you doing this every winter? Well, it's sort of like you're thrown uh, off the boat and, and you're floating in the water and, and you get a life raft. Now, the life raft only has about six months of air in it, but you're going to hang on to that life raft and you're going to throw that out to you know other people off you. Maybe it's a, a bad analogy, but I'm just saying is that you, you're doing it one step at a time. Now, the other thing they are doing you know, concomitantly is a 25% reduction in natural gas use. That's why we own the fertilizer companies because the largest fertilizer companies, because I, I don't know if you do any farming out where you are, uh, son, but, um, you know, actually to grow things in the world, particularly corn yeah. and wheat, you need organic, you know, phosphates, you need nitrogen, you need ammonia, because that, that's what makes those corn yeah. uh, stocks go from normal eight feet to like 25 feet in, in, uh, in uh, various parts of the United States. And in and in France and in Germany, remember, they have huge, Italy, they have, they have huge, all, all fruits, vegetables, etc. That's a huge part of their world. So they're taking it one step at a time, yeah. they're going to run out of money. But Britain's already borrowing the $300 billion. They just floated a bond. They have to war game this out, literally, and, and take it, you know, 12 months at a time and, and through the seasons. Uh, the other thing is, I mean, in the UK, nobody has air conditioning in the UK. It's 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 uh, not that good. There's many parts of Germany, Switzerland that don't have the air conditioning. It's winter where they have the problems, where they have the cold weather, where they have, you know, all sorts of problems. And, and so th- they have to assume that that Nord gas is never going to be turned on again. They have to reduce their dependence on, on natural gas. Uh, they got to keep their temperature thermostats down. It's wartime. I think the thing that people are missing, Todd, is that for all intents and purposes, this is a war. It's just being fought with, you know, fought with, not with guns, except in Ukraine. It's being fought with commodity prices. And of course. People use the word weaponized a little bit too much, but, but yes, energy, uranium, nitrogen, ammonia, sulfuric acid, right. nitric acid, all of those are created with natural gas. All of those products is what keeps German industry going. It keeps, you know, farmers, ranches, everything else, food producers going. And your civilization falls apart if you don't have those. So what choice do they have, Todd? They, they, they could only no. borrow money and throw money at it uh, and um, and then conserve because you're going to see radical conservation the, coming in this winter right. and and cut their, you know, they're down to about 25%. Actually, they're down about 9% of the natural gas in the last two weeks was out of Russia. They, the oil and the products closed down December 2nd. And one of the reasons why we own uh, energy tankers that carry both petroleum as well as, you know, petroleum products, diesel, jet fuel, naphtha, all that good stuff stuff is that Russia is trying to ship as much oil and products as they can up until December 2nd. The boat leaves on December 1st, doesn't get somebody someplace a lot of times 30, 40 days later, that's okay. But right now these tankers that let's say we're going for $20,000 a day, they're now $45,000 a day. And if you have one of these really big, very large crude carriers, you used to get $25,000 a day. Now you're getting $65,000 a day. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, we, I guess you could say we're war profiteering here. We're, we're, you know, we're making serious dividends and revenues, yes. but it is what it is. You know, I mean, it I'm, is. I, I'm, I don't have a, 
a conscience here. I, I, it's purely. You have to be agnostic. And that's the thing, you because we are we're in the business of making money. And you're right. Yeah. How, how do you capitalize on that? I mean, but there is an argument. I mean, you've heard arguments. Here we are. We're, we're coming up to the anniversary of September 11th. <laughs> and, and there was the, the conversation about what we did as a, as a country with Saudi Arabia, because we needed their oil to help supply our economy. Yeah. And then yeah. you had how many of the hijackers were from Saudi Arabia. I know there's been many, many conversations about that as well. So uh, okay. so who knows? But from a commodity standpoint, you're absolutely right. And Putin is playing this game uh, like a chess match. And and he might be losing troops. Uh, they might be, they're, they're falling into traps or getting killed. We heard some crazy numbers, 75,000 troops is the last thing that I read yeah. that have been lost from Russia. Uh, but he has something that the world needs. And that is a commodity such as natural gas. So it just remains to be seen what, what plays no. out. He's, he's he's using it as a weapon against the West. His entire strategy is simply that if you inflict enough pain uh, to the consumers, to the citizens, that there's a pain point that they're going to reach and say, okay, I can't take it anymore. Yeah. Get rid of sanctions. And what he's completely underestimated so far is how united Europe and UK are against this stuff. You know, in, in World War II, we had ration. Uh, and I remember talking of my mom where you'd get a, a ration book at the beginning of the month and you'd get X amount of soap and X amount of uh, beef and X amount of potatoes and so on and so forth. And that's what you do in wartime. Well, we're in wartime. It's just the field of battle, the, the, the actual shooting war battle is in the Ukraine. But they've declared war against the UK and the EU. Mm-hmm. And the, they're just using a different weapon. They're using natural gas and to the other extent oil. That's their weapon. And their theory has always been and will continue to be, if you inflict enough pain, let me tell you, Italy is going to be in serious, serious problems in the winter because they they, they get a lot of their natural gas from from it, but but they also get a lot of their fertilizer. And you go through these growing seasons, you know, you got to plant in the northern hemisphere, you got to plant in fall, etc., and get that going and get it fertilized. Otherwise, you're going to have 50 percent less crops. Yeah. And then you add on, oh, by the way, you know, the Po River is so low and the Rhine River is so low that they can't ship coal. I mean, th- there is potential catastrophic issues in parts of Europe, and they are pulling together. And Putin's plan is is that when push comes to shove, people are going to be standing up for themselves and they're going to say, well, tough shit, Italy. I'm, I'm in charge of number one and I'm number one right here. And I think that the Europeans uh, have shown and the UK have shown tremendous solidarity. But I'm sure in closed rooms, there's a lot of yelling, screaming and moaning. Oh, of course there is. Absolutely. And a lot of concern as well. That's for sure. Well, listen, uh, on that note, let's uh, let's close out this block. We're, we're going to come up after the break, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to be talking about, well, let's make some money. Yeah. Buy, hold, sell, protect. Coming right up. Please stay with us. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads. But this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Toby, it is time to make some money. What's your buy, hold, sell this week? All right. Well, since I've been talking about fertilizer, and of course, you know, it's one of my favorite subjects because I'm the only person who can buy it and create it simultaneously. <laughs> I'm a big buyer of LSB Industries. The ticker symbol is LXU. 
And here's why they're North American based. They make not only fertilizer, but ammonia, you know, sulfuric acid, all the stuff that is required to grow a commercial grade food that most consumers have no freaking idea about, right? Number one. Number two, their gross margin, what they make when they they sell us to their customers has gone from 22% to 58% in the last 18 months. So do that math for a second. Yeah, sales, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, their sales are up significantly like 40% and probably will be up 100% this year because in Europe, their competitors are closing down. You can't make uh, Yala is one of their, the huge ones in Europe. They're losing, you know, 50 cents on every gallon they make. You got a business that way. Um, so Europe is, is selling down their reserves in ammonia and uh, fertilizer, nitrogen fertilizer. And at the same time, they're not making any. So prices have gone like like this. And then the other thing I've talked about, if you look at their price earnings ratio, PE ratio, they're selling at a two PE. Two. They're going to double their profit this year, double their profit again next year, which would make them selling it like a minus P. So they're going to get re-rated. So we're buying it here under 30 bucks. Uh, excuse me. We're buying it under $18. And our, our our target is 32 to $34 in the next 12 to 18 months. That's hard to beat. The one I would hold is the one I talked about a couple of weeks ago, UAN. UAN is also in that business. They're all North, you know, North America, United States located. So their natural gas prices are 10x lower than Europe, etc. They're um, same thing. Russian fertilizer has been uh, sanctioned. Uh, Ukraine makes a lot of fertilizer. They haven't made any fertilizer because you know they're getting bombed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hold UAN because their new dividend is going to be about thirty-five percent. So hold it and and never sell it here in the next. Uh, hold it and love it. Hold it. Hold and it and love it. it. And then you know the the sell is really the issues that we, we we've seen so far here, which is that these the, the pull ahead companies, this companies like Sonos, for instance. I love Sonos. And we recommended it, you know, two years ago when we got into the pandemic, because I knew that everybody like me was going to buy the five other Sonos speakers for your house and your room and your bedroom, because they're awesome, right? Well, everybody has bought all those things. And uh, it's it's one of those that if you haven't sold it, I, th- I think I talked about it a, a while ago, but it, it's time to not own the stuff that everybody bought. It was the same thing. I know you love Peloton. Well, Peloton went down 90%. Okay, so they're probably Amazon buys them. Okay, I can make the point like that. You could make the point that maybe Amazon buys Sonos. I don't know why they didn't buy them two years ago, but that's another story because, you know, they're they're small. They only do like 250 million bucks a year. But if you have any of those stocks left in your portfolio that did great as a direct beneficiary of the pandemic and the work from home trade, those things are over. And then you start to see things like DocuSign that get so low and so shorted that then it'll be time to look at some of those again because they're really at reasonable value. Excuse me. So growth at a reasonable value. You know, that's the name of the game today. Okay. Okay. I like I like all three of those. I mean, yeah, obviously your buy is always always a good one. And we got to do an index to a Toby index because your track record <laughs> has been sensational. I got to tell you on, uh, on all of them. But that that's some great advice on all three. All right. This is what I got for my buy. Restaurant Brands International, Toby. You may never have heard of this company, but the yeah, ticker is QSR, the Burger King QSR. company. Burger King. That's right. Burger King came out. They said they're going to invest $400 million into their locations to ramp them up, make them look better, make them uh, enhance the customer experience so that you're not just going in there and getting a Whopper and <laughs> um, and taking off. You actually might treat it like a Panera Bread and maybe hang out for a little while, maybe order a couple of other things. But I love hearing that type of growth. They're reinvesting that money back into the company. They realize they're lagging McDonald's right now and the gap is continuing to widen. They have to close that gap and they have to do it fast. This is how they're going to do it by keeping the customer in the store so that they can spend more money. I think it's a great, great strategy. My hold right now is going to be Apple. We talked about it. I yeah. brought it up earlier in the show. People don't wait out at, at all for a Samsung product, but they will for Apple. You will start seeing lines of people. There'll be people staying out overnight just so they could be one of the first ones with the iPhone 14. And considering that the price tag on those things range from, I saw $900 hours up to thirteen hundred hours and you know people if you're going to wait out all night you're probably going to go to the higher end anyway as most people do so if that's the case i expect there you're going to see some uh some huge uh, fourth quarter and first quarter so you're, you're uh, saying sales don't sell 
Apple. If you own it, don't sell. Are you saying buy it now? If buy you it. Own? Well, you could buy it if you want, but I'm going to say you can hold on to it because most people have Apple. Yeah. And look at your 401k in your mutual fund that you probably have at Fidelity or Schwab or wherever else it's yeah. handling your 401k money. You probably have a large position already in Apple. Uh, maybe maybe look at uh, look a little bit further into that. Now, my sell, Toby, I know I gave you a promise a few weeks ago. I said I wouldn't talk about it, but I can't resist. I have to talk about Target. They came out with this week, they talked about how they are going to change their policy. They had a rule in place. I didn't realize this until this week that you have to retire. If you're CEO, you have to retire by the age of 65. Well, their current CEO, Brian Cornell, is 64. And he is not only staying past 65, he's going to be staying on for three more years. And this is a company that continues to have inventory problems. It's a disaster. And with Christmas coming up, Halloween, uh, they, they don't know what they're going to do with all this stuff. And when I start seeing the slowdown for consumers and discretionary income, I have to say, that's the time you got to sell Target, especially the fact that the last time I brought it up, the stock was around 150. It's bounced up to the mid 160s right now. What a great time to capture a couple of the a couple of dollars. <laughs> if you if you ignored me a few weeks ago, take advantage of it. Get out while you can because this fourth quarter is going to be real ugly for the retailers and Target's probably going to lead the pack on that one. So what you're saying, Todd, is you can't be disastrously wrong twice in a row. That's what you're saying. <laughs> so st statistically, statistically not possible. Yeah, not possible. That's what I'm going to say, Toby. Absolutely. All right, now listen, coming up next week, we have the big inflation reading coming out on Wednesday. All eyes are going to be on that. The week after that, the Fed's meeting for their two-day meeting. We're not going to hear from Fed officials. They're officially in the blackout period, but it's obvious that that number that comes out on Wednesday is going to be data dependent. Do you want to make a prediction? You want to say, hey, we're still going to have a year over year number. It's going to be a high single digits. What do you think you're going to see? Yeah, on a year over year basis, shelter, you know, I say this every week, shelter and automobile manufacturing vehicle is 31% of, of costs. So yeah. uh, since the auto, the used autos are up slightly down, but I mean, still up significantly like 40%, the base effects uh, that how you measure year over year, the base that you measure, it's not going to come down. Everybody who actually knows what the formula is knows this is true. Uh, you're you're going to have a slight reduction because of energy prices, slight reduction in some other areas. But the big mamu is rents not down. Home prices down a little bit, but it, that takes six months to get locked in. So yes, they're going to do 75 basis points because the data is going to say we're having a slight reduction. But Powell has put it on the line, said in no uncertain terms, we are going to get inflation down to our target, which is 2%, yep. which I believe they're going to just say at 2.5% declare victory, move the goalpost a little bit. Uh, yeah. But to get to 2.5% requires, it requires you to have the Fed funds rate higher than the inflation rate. Now, this is just simple math. I don't want to make your little head hurt and give you a headache. <laughs> But to get inflation down, since they don't create a, a molecule of hydrocarbons, they don't yeah. create weather, they don't uh, you know, do supply chains. The only way you can tamp down uh, demand is to get to the point that the inflation rate is lower than the cost uh, of funds, Fed funds. And then, okay. my friend, then you'll start to hit inflation. So 75 basis points without a doubt. Now, okay, well, I have to agree with you. What I want to know is the Baltimore Ravens versus uh, the Jets. If if you lose to the Jets, then I think you have to wear a Jets uniform, uh, a jersey on next I, time. Uh, we yeah. do. Let's huh. hope that doesn't happen. And Jets, you know, Jets stands for just end the season. So we'll, we'll, yeah, uh, right. I'm going to, I, I do, I am confident my Baltimore Ravens are going to do just fantastic this week and week one on the road at the Meadowlands. I can't wait to watch it. And uh, I know it's going to be very exciting. Temperature forecast is looking great. It's going to be a, a, a commemorative day with September, with the anniversary of September 11th. Oh, wow. And yeah. uh, I know there's a lot going on in New York, so um, so it's going to be uh, going to be interesting to to watch. Hey, one final thing on the Jay Powell thing. Um, yeah. Do you do you think if inflation does come down to two and a half percent, Jay Powell is going to stand in front of the Federal Reserve and they'll be have a big banner that says "Mission Accomplished"? I'm just curious. Will we see something like that? <laughs> no, he's he's a lot classier than that, Todd. So. <laughs> Sometimes people, you know, prematurely declare victory like you do almost every week. But uh, I, 
he's going to retire what he's going to do because uh, it's going to take about two years to happen and um, you know uh, hey if Putin gets assassinated this weekend let's do a show on Monday because <laughs> things are going to change but uh, well if that, that happens State Department will probably be knocking on your door wondering how you knew that <laughs> right that's true Nostrovia my friend Nostrovia <laughs> All right, brother. We shall see. All right, well, listen, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us here at VHS Live. On behalf of Thurgood Smith, I'm Todd Schoenberger. Have a wonderful weekend. Go Ravens. Yeah. Did you know virtually all vessels traveling in the U.S. have to be American-built, owned, and crewed? That's thanks to the Jones Act, which is the bedrock of the American maritime industry. On the American Maritime Podcast, we cover the topics that matter most to the 650,000 men and women of American maritime, while also being accessible for the average listener to learn about this industry. Every episode features a new guest, including congressional leaders, senior military officials, leading policy analysts, and other experts. Come aboard and listen wherever you get your podcasts or watch on the American Maritime Partnership's YouTube channel.